0: started juice wire honoring your grandmother Mm. and i in that moment it was so clear to me why i existed so clear like as clear as clear can be i couldn't shake it
1: that was chris good founder of ruby jeans juicery serial entrepreneur Motivational speaker, amazing dude, bridge builder. I think you'll be inspired and encouraged by his conversation. We got emotional towards the end. Um, Dude is deeply connected and led with his soul and his spirit on this conversation. And I hope you find it valuable. Here's Chris Good. Hey, welcome back to Guild Stories. We've got, um, my goodness, what a what an inspirational fella that I get to sit across from and um, uh, hear the, his heart to say, hey, can we pray first? <laughs> like, what a dude. Uh, I'm humbled. Chris Good, the genuine juice guy, Ruby Jeans, owner, founder, my gosh, multifaceted storyteller, entrepreneur, um, just a, a good dude, good soul. Proud to be across the table from you, man. Welcome.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Um, You know, it's easy to see a good dude when you're a good dude. Mm. Um, You you all have extended your hearts and time and resources to me, and I will forever be grateful.
1: Oh, man, the the pleasure and the privilege was ours. And, um, man, who, for those who don't know you, how, uh, if I said, man, who's Chris Good? What's your story? Where would you start?
0: Where would I start? (laughs) Um, I love Jesus. Um, You know, that's where I start first and foremost, above all, um, my son. I'm a now father of a four-year-old. I'm now a husband. Mm. Um, I'm a, a guy that loves Kansas City through and through, like truly. Um, I'm not one of those people that, you know, thinks that something else, there's something else that's so much greater than here. Mm. I think that there's a lot of places to visit. Yeah. But actually, a lot of places are warmer yeah, than today. for <laughs> sure. But <laughs> yep. I actually love Kansas City. Um, Me too. I am the, the founder, the proud founder and creator of Ruby Jeans Juicery, um, ultimately, that means somebody that is, you know, been willing to fail and figure it out and chase what they're truly passionate about. And that's, that's health for me. But, yeah, that. that's who I am in a, a nutshell. I love that. It's a beautiful nutshell and one that's, uh,
1: that's power-packed, man. It's got a lot in that nutshell. Um, did, you grow, did you grow up in KC,
0: or what's, what, what's kind of the, the roots story? Yep, so I grew up uh, on the east side of Kansas City early on. 42nd and Wabash, um, mm. East 46th Street, and then we moved out south. I ended up graduating from Ruskin High School nice. as we, we chased, um, you know, more opportunity, bed, better education, you know, running from the Kansas City public school um, perils, if you will. Mm. You know, in hindsight, I, you know, I, I have my own feelings about that. Sure. But, yeah, I grew up in here in Kansas City um, in uh, in the city portion and then we moved out south yeah you
1: uh i know bits and pieces of course just through our friendship and, and by the way for quick context um you and i got connected a couple years back 18 months ago or so through a a, a non-kce but missouri big-hearted fella gabe holsey yeah and gabe gabe was a uh, is a friend and was has been in my life off and on for a decade or so and Gabe's like, man, you got to meet this dude, Chris. And I was like, <laughs> I know of him. Like, oh, you know, Chris, <laughs> I look kind out of this like man crush email intro. I was like, oh dude, I'd love to meet that guy. Uh, then we met for coffee and, and, and it says volumes about you. Uh, and I just knew it when you walked in that coffee shop, we met at the filling station down in um, kind of Westportish, ish and, or crossroads, whatever it's technically called. And, um, you brought this young dude with you. And I was like, I just was observant, right? Like the way you communicated to him, the way you cared for him, the way you allowed him to speak and have a voice in this like, quote unquote, business meeting, right? And I was like, who is that? And you're like, that's my, like, I'm his mentor, you know? He's my guy, and I'm just showing him the ropes and like showing him how to do stuff. I was like, "Good Lord, that's a, that's cool." So anyway, that was an instant connection of um, understanding of character and, and and certainly the way that you live your life and think about others. So, um, grow up in KC, sports are a thing for you, right? Or were a thing?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So my my dad um, and my mom they started having kids when they were 16 years old. You know, so babies having babies mm. and it's not always the recipe for the most um, <laughs> solid foundation, if you yeah. will. You know, in hindsight, I'm, I'm grateful that my mm. dad was, you know, he was absent early on um, because he was out trying to figure out, you know, how do I take care of four kids while I'm poor and mm. have come from this, you know, long line of, of struggle. You know how do I do this? And so, in hindsight, I don't. I don't hold it against him that he was absent. I think it, it paved the way for you know my heart to be molded by two profound women, uh, and my mother and my grandmother who was Ruby Jean. Um, and so, sports. When my dad came into the picture, that was our connectivity point. You know, he had played college football. You know, he had falling in love with the sport of football and he wanted to introduce it to me, you know, this son that he's, he's growing a relationship with. Um, and so football become, became that, that way for my dad not to to bond the way for him to the father. Um, but it also was an early foundation of, you know, tenacity and, and fight where I come from the molding, the love, the gentleness of my mother and my grandmother uh, introduced my dad football. It, It gave me the other end of that spectrum you know that the harder outer coating that you know we need in this this world especially this entrepreneurial (laughs) um, (laughs) pursuit so yeah football is a it's a play has played a very very Mm -hmm. special role in the formation of me as just a a human Um, it's given me so many tools Um, but yeah football is a big thing for me that's cool as as you remember
1: it which memory is a funny thing of course but we all have these you know portraits or snapshots or scenes even in our minds from growing up um good bad whatever not even a definition but there's these powerful kind of pivotal scenes in the story and I'm wondering for you as you reflect you know now as a dad of your own like is there a scene or two that comes to mind that shaped you into the man you are today from a football perspective any like yeah i think football i think family i think um just the the heart and the character you know we're yeah uh, i had i had lunch with a guy this week and he's a entrepreneur as well and he's he's about 60 and his the 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 gray in his beard shows the wisdom <laughs> and he used this phrase he's like man we're i was forged in the fire and he just talked about this this journey of his own. He's like, man in the, the hard times feel terrible when we're going through them. But like, as we reflect, it's in, in those moments that purified us, that changed us, that challenged us, that allowed us to, um, show the resilience and the grit and the faith and the pieces that helped push through. So yeah, I'm not fishing for anything specific necessarily, but if, if there's something in your memory
0: bank, that's like, man, this one scene, um, You know, the the image that comes to my mind first is, you know, my mom heading out the door, Mm. Um, you know, but not to her first job, to her second job. Mm. Um, You know, the image of my my mother dropping us off at my grandmother's house, you know, because she has to go to her second shift. um, That's one that that constantly replays for me Mm. because the image, you know, it isn't the way you would think. It's not like, you know, she's like, oh, I'm so tired and downtrodden and, you know, I got to go to this second job. She always maintained the level of poise. You know, she always carried a smile. She always carried herself with grace, um, even in the midst now in hindsight of extreme lack. And so, you know, I, I can relate to that, the fire that that gentleman was, was referring to because um, I lived that you know, I lived this this uh, poverty stricken, you know, not a lot to go around life this eating pots of chili for what felt like an entire week or mm. pots of spaghetti for an entire week or, you know, the treat being Lay's potato chips and a chili dog. And that's like, hey, that's our, you know, that's our celebratory. That's the fun uh, meal. Mm. And so I, you know, I, I never while enduring it, realized that, oh, man, we're we were poor it always felt like man we're blessed we have enough yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and and so that's i think that's the one that my my mm. mind points to you know most quickly because my grandmother and my mother you know in in the midst of lack it just it felt like abundance and so i only realized that as an adult you know when things are so much more abundant um and you don't always feel that same spirit of joy. Um, but it, you know, it's a big credit to who my mom is and who my grandmother was, you know, that they were able to, to shield us from reality, uh, and and carry us through that fire, uh, in a place of, from a place of grace. That's beautiful, man. I'm so thankful you'd share that.
1: Um, we're going to come back to her a lot, but tell us about Ruby
0: Jean. Ruby Jean. Um, Extremely, extremely special human being. Um,
1: Mom's mom, your maternal grandmother, correct? Yes, yeah, my, okay. my mother's mother. Okay. And I
0: can okay. tell by the way you're looking at me that you you know I'm, <laughs> this is going to make me emotional. Um, but my, my grandmother, um, she was special. She came mm-hmm. from a small town in Oklahoma, uh, originally Vianne, Oklahoma, then Muskogee, Oklahoma. And we're talking like, you know, tiny, tiny mm-hmm. places. Um And she came to Kansas City for for life in a a bigger city, for more opportunity, uh, coming from those small towns in Oklahoma. And she started this family tree with my grandfather, you know, a gentleman from Arkansas, uh, Pine Bluff, Arkansas, to be exact. And what I remember from her most is that she was so quiet, Hmm. um, but so loud at the same time. You know, she didn't. I talk a lot, you know, nowadays, as you know, and I I know that feeling. She, she didn't have to do any talking for you to hear her. Um, And it's something that's extremely powerful that we were able to feel her presence. And she was just a woman of such few words. Um, She loved us in a way that, that I don't know that I'll, I'll ever see replicated. Um, She loved us in a way that, you know, Food was central to her showing her love. You know, coming from Oklahoma, she had this this ability to cook soul food that you know you slobber and slap somebody <laughs> all at the same time. Like, oh, I'm drooling and I'm I don't know why. I just need to slap you. It's that good. And so she she had this this <laughs> way about her um, <laughs> where we knew that she loved us, but we also knew that she wasn't like playing around when she told us to do something. And it was like this perfect balance of um, force and love, you know, all tangled in one. And so my grandmother, uh, she was the person that kept our family together. She was the person that we all gathered around, this little tiny two-bedroom home at 3907 Wabash. You know, it it felt like a mansion, you know. And I was looking back, I'm like, how do we all fit in this little place? Um,
1: Little White House. It, right, or it, steps up to it. We we we. I think we have some B roll of it. Oh but yeah, I can't remember. Yep. So uh, little porch, little. Yeah, it's like oranges coppery yeah, yeah, yeah. color.
0: Um, and tiny little home, mm-hmm. and yeah, it does have some white in it. Um, but what I realize is that that house was so big because of her. You know, it didn't it didn't matter that we, that we were crammed in there. We didn't even notice it, or at least I didn't notice it. Um. We just wanted to be near her. We wanted to be near that, that force that she was as a person. Um, and she, you know, she she kept us together mm. as long as she could. Awesome. Man, we're
1: going to – we'll talk a lot about Ruby here in a bit. Okay, cool. <laughs> but I appreciate – it's helpful to set the the stage for her because she clearly played such a, a a monumental and pivotal role in, in your upbringing and, and now maybe arguably even more so – uh, in in the the ways that you're building a life now, um, but before we do that, you left KC, went played college football. If I don't if yes. I'm not mistaken. Okay, where and how and how was that experience?
0: Oh man, <laughs> how much time we got now? Uh, so I played football down at when I started it was SMS, so Southwest yep. Yep. Missouri State. Yep. Um, my junior year we transitioned to Missouri State. So I graduated from Missouri State Love University. It. Love it. Um. I I played football at Ruskin High School, tiny little program, you know, like gravel and glass in the practice field kind of situation, a lot of dust. Um, You know, we make did with whatever we had from a a sports perspective. My senior year, we won our first four games, Mm. lost every game after that. I remember after game three, my mom and I took a visit to Mizzou. Uh, We just took one of those weekend visits. They had us down. And our team was doing well. I was popping up on different radars. What position? I was a defensive end okay. In, okay. in high school. Um, and then we lost every game after that. <laughs> Fell off of a lot of radars. Started getting, you know, different offers from really small schools, small programs. And I, I felt in my spirit, I'm like, ah I feel like I can, I can play higher. Um, but at the same time, I wanted to make sure that my education was, you know, was a factor. And that the degree that I, I pursued was... You know, it was something that was going to give me an opportunity in life. And so I landed on Missouri State or Southwest oh, Missouri right. State at the time because they had a great business program, but also it was a, a decent level of football, 1AA. Uh, but, you know, I sent them my video and so on and so forth, and they said, well, we're out of scholarships. We don't have a scholarship for you, but you can walk on. Um, that started, I think, one of the most impactful experiences that I've ever had as a human Um, I walked into that program, you know, as a walk-on, you get treated a certain way. Um, If you're not recruited to play somewhere and you're a walk-on and you're just, you're just proving yourself, they don't care about what you did in high school. None of that matters is who are you today? Uh, And so I found myself on the scout team defense, you know, going against the first team offense and quickly, you know, made a name for myself, but I was carrying a place of, you know, frustration like, Hey, I, you know, I can play with these guys, but they're not treating you in that in that light and so I proved myself and proved myself and in order to go from you know just being a walk-on to even being thought of in the scheme of the program you gotta something has to happen um I redshirted the next season um which would have been my second year uh, I still hadn't had that thing hadn't and happened cracked it. yeah, um, yeah. I finally got my opportunity. I found myself extremely, extremely frustrated to say it in a nice way. Um, <laughs> I was on special teams. You know, the way football works, a lot of times at the end of practice, everybody's kind of, you know, they're going halfway. And But these are scholarship guys. These are guys that are getting their their meals paid for, their classes paid for, their books paid for, and so on and so forth. Me, I'm there taking You're out, hungry. Taking out yep. loans, yep. so on and so forth. I run down on kickoff. And I knock a guy out at the end of practice, literally knock him out. I used every piece of fury I could muster um, to make this hit, and I knocked him out to where they had to put smell and salt under his nose. Whoa. The special team coach said, he looked, kind of the whole practice went silent. Special team coach looked at me said, good, you're, you're traveling. <laughs> and so the next game, we were playing Arkansas. Okay. And we always get a, you get a, Essentially, it's a money game for the school, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. We're this little bait where they pay us to come and embarrass us. Yep. Great. Go so to Fayetteville I and get rolled. Get, that's the that's, that's the plan. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, so I yeah. get to go to Fayetteville. I'm on special teams. Had a pretty good outing in special teams, but that's what started my chart um went through that. Were you
1: nervous? That's a big that's a big step dude. No I was hungry. I I needed
0: every opportunity I could. I didn't have time to be nervous. I Mm -hmm. mean walking on the you know the Mm -hmm. the field there and feeling a difference in the level of the grass and you know driving the bus in and fans Mm -hmm. are slapping the bus and yelling pig suey and all of this stuff. Yeah that that gives you a little bit of nerves but you know I'm still chasing my opportunity. I'm still not paying to be here. So I didn't feel real like I'm fluffy about it. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to make a name for myself. Mm-hmm. I continued to do that. Had always a few tackles every game just from being on special teams. Still wasn't getting my shot, still doing well on scout defense in practice, still wasn't getting my shot. Mm-hmm. The next season, I got the through game 4 of that. Just being on special teams. I'm a redshirt sophomore at this time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I get in at the end of the game when we're up by a bunch and I still have some hurries and a few tackles and I'm looking at my production versus the guys that are actually playing the full game. And I walk into the coach's office and I say, hey, coach, you know, I appreciate the opportunity, um, but I need a shot. I need a real shot. And I'm not asking you guys to give me a full ride, but pay for my books, pay for my meals. Because if you can't do that at the very least for what I'm giving this program and the time that I'm expending, I got to go focus on being a student. He leaned back in his chair and he said, you know, good, I got nothing for you. I quit mm. the team. Mm. So now, mm. two and a half years in, I quit the team. That mm. season expires. I'm in the now just a regular student on campus. I put in all this blood, sweat, and tears into this program. Mm. I'd be in the library on game day. I couldn't even, you know, yeah. stomach going to the game. But the field is very close to the library down in Springfield, and so I'd be in the library. I hear hear the cannons going off and. It would just make me sick to my stomach, um, you know, mm. feeling like I never got my true shot. Mm. That season ends, the entire coaching staff gets fired, the entire staff. Damn. New staff comes in. It's Terry Allen. He had coached at uh, KU, KU right? yeah. Northern Iowa. Uh, coach Kurt Warner. So he comes in, and they're reviewing all the film from the season prior. So the defensive end coach, uh, Jamar Kane, he coached at New Mexico State. He comes in, they're reviewing a the film, and they see this, you know, who's this number 58? You know, he we saw him in like three or four games. And then he's gone. And then he disappears. <laughs> and we saw a couple of big hits. We saw, you know, some some speed off the end. Because so I played defensive end slash linebacker at that level. and But then he disappears. And so he starts asking the teammates, like, what's his story? And I, I wasn't like a you know, a nice guy. I wasn't there to be friends. So I had this gotten this rap of being a bad attitude guy, so on and so forth. But I really just wanted a scholarship. Yeah. Yeah. So they called me into the office. At this point, I'm out of football shape. I'm just a regular student. I'm used to being a regular student. I'm business major. I'm in a fraternity. Like mm-hmm. I'm good. Doing your thing. Yeah. Doing my yeah. thing. They called me in and say, you know, we want to give you a shot. Get back in shape. Go through spring ball. Show us what you got. I had the best production of anybody in my position that entire spring campaign. I got a full scholarship. Come on, So I come back to the team. I finish out my time on scholarship. I ended up being a starter. Um, Still a small school, so it's like, you know, where do you get to go from there? I had uh, desires of playing on a higher level, but I graduated with a business degree. I proved to myself that I could play at that level. Um, But going through that experience of, you know, having to quit something – and not being a quitter, but having mm-hmm. to do what's best for me a, as a human being, and making that decision as a still a very young man, mm-hmm. um, it gave me so much. You know, it mm-hmm. gave me the ability to say, okay, even when people cannot see who you are, what you are, what you bring, what you can deliver, and you know it, you gotta, you you gotta keep going. And so I got that opportunity. You know, I graduated as a as a mm-hmm. starter. Um, I graduated with you know a full ride scholarship. And it's something that I'll, you know, I'll never really be able to replicate. I wouldn't have it any other way. I'm glad that I didn't get a full scholarship. I'm glad that I had to quit. I'm glad that I had to come in and get back in shape. I'm glad that I had to prove myself because it, it gives me another muscle today when it gets hard. You know, when it's 4 a.m. and it's time to get up, I, I can trigger back in the two-a-days in 110-degree heat where you're not getting paid to be there. I can trigger that muscle and so I don't I don't take anything from it. The coach that never mm. gave me a shot, um, ironically, he's now a recruiter um, for the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm. And so a couple of seasons ago, Ruby Jeans, we got a chance to provide juice for the Chiefs for, I think it was like six weeks. And I walk into the lo- the, it wasn't the locker room, it was like their cafeteria area. Mm. And there's all these guys around. I'm bringing in juice samples to let the guys uh, taste the juice. And who do I look eye-to-eye to? I look eye-to-eye to that coach that never gave me that shot. And I got a chance for him to shake my hand and to really give me the respect that i never gotten from him. And So the way that my collegiate – I know that was long-winded. No, but the dude. way that my collegiate – you know, football experience went was just it was a one-on-one experience It's something that gives me, you know, the tools to pour into my son day in and day out to pour into my team day in and day out. Um, and myself,
1: mm. dude, I, I've got, I literally have chills cause I'm like, man, I knew the highlight. I really did knew. I knew the highlights. I, I knew you were a scholarship starter at Missouri state. Yeah. And it's like, I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know any of that. I, I knew the pieces that like hit a LinkedIn profile or hit a resume or hit the Uh, the bio you know the rap sheet that's why I I love this project because it's like wait a second holy smokes there's so much gold in what you just shared and and I and I I know you enough to know how you operate your business the stuff you've been challenged with the stuff you have huge opportunities with and now it makes so much more sense (laughs) because I'm like man I know you've been through some stuff to build ruby jeans just like we we have here right but Um, now I'm like, oh, I could see (laughs) another dimension of his soul and why in the, in the why and the mission and the, in the 4am man, I got you. It's fine. Oh my gosh. I'm so thankful you share. Um, you graduate with that business degree. You graduate as a, as a, as a very deserved earned scholarship starter on the football team. What'd you do next?
0: What did I do next? <laughs> um, so I came home to Kansas City. Um, I trained for, you know, what would hopefully be a shot to, you know, live out my dream of playing for the Chiefs. Um, got in a really, really good shape. Um, got a family connection to be able to deliver my highlight reel, my stats, mm. my information to, at the time, the GM, was Scott Pioli. Oh, yeah. I worked uh, there.
1: I worked for the Chiefs when he uh, was okay. there. Yeah. So yeah. I
0: still have a letter from Scott Pioli. Um, Essentially a rejection letter Mm. says, hey, man, we think you're a good player, but not this level. Mm. That's all I needed. I wasn't a lot of my teammates, you know, Mm. chased football and played through Canada and arena and Mm. so on and so forth. That was the only declination I needed to say, "Okay, that chapter is over. Mm. Um, I let the dream of football go and I went out and I got a job. You know, I had a business degree with the emphasis on entrepreneurship, which. You know, essentially, is yeah. a very vague degree. <laughs> it's like, what, <laughs> what do I do with this? Yeah. And so insurance was what was readily yeah. available. Um, my first job was I was a essentially a customer service call agent for farmer's insurance, and I worked uh, part-time at a shoe store. And so I carried two jobs uh, and started to matriculate through different insurance jobs along the way. Um, I don't know how far you want me to go, but I found, yeah. you know, I – essentially I started to, I felt like I started to Mm -hmm. wither away. You know, I, I knew that in my soul, like, man, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a cubicle guy, you know, and that's not to marginalize that for anyone that is, but I knew that I, I love people, you know, I need energy. I need fresh air. Um, I want to give this energy that I have inside of me. Um, and Mm -hmm. I started to my own thing even while doing insurance so I found myself as a group benefits underwriter for MetLife crunching numbers have no clue you know I just like okay this is a job I'm gonna figure yeah. out how to do it you guys yeah. are gonna pay me a check perfect yeah um in the meantime I started a very very small business my first business I ever started was a, eventually it was called good entertainment mm. I ended up changing the name to good image um, first event I ever had was an event that Live Strong sponsored. Uh, it was an event called Ala Mode. And so uh, my dad had this event space. Uh, and I can go deep with yeah. this, but <laughs> I'm going to, I got to give you some of this. Um, so I started, I had Good. this event called Ala Mode. And the, the concept was, you know, it's a cancer benefit. And cancer is one of those things that it doesn't just, okay, you're a white male, it's going to just attack you, or I'm a black male, it's going to attack me. It, it knows no faces, it knows no. No race. It doesn't care if you're Jewish. It doesn't care if you're African. If it attacks you, it attacks you. And so a la mode is ice cream, right? Mm -hmm. So if you put strawberry ice cream in a bowl, chocolate ice cream in a bowl, vanilla ice cream in a bowl, and swirl it all up, it's just going to be one color, one consistency. And so that was the first event I ever had, and we went as far as having events for um, Sly James as a political fundraiser. Um, I had two events with LeBron James. Um, James and James, yeah. ironically, <laughs> but had two events with LeBron James at the height of that, that business, um, and kind of started to develop, you know, my name in Kansas city, um, at the same time of, you know, doing philanthropic philanthropic endeavors, I volunteered for Janice Ellis's mayoral campaign. I used to give out cold water every birthday. We partnered with the Gillis home and I had ugly sweater parties where, you know, I took my insurance van and filled it up with toys that I got from the party, the sw- ugly sweater party that I threw, and I would show up at the Gillis home every Christmas with a van full of toys and things for the kids. Um, so I started to to really put my my fingerprints in the in the soil here, uh, and it it matriculated from there.
1: I love it, man, and and I can I can sense it in your speech, even in your in your energy. The the you had a job, and it was a if I remember, a good gig, like in terms of like good money like from from your upbringing and the way you d- discussed childhood and 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 stuff being tough financially like everyone probably looked at it like holy smokes bro like that's a good gig y- yeah you got to sit a cube you got to do the thing but like you're making good money it's stable it's steady it's all that and yet your i mean it's visible your soul came alive on these other projects on these other things on this dream on this whatever time of day it was or night, like your side hustle thing sparked your creativity. It sparked your purpose. It, it, it it wasn't a grind or a drag. You had to grind of course, but, but it wasn't this drag. (laughs) It was this like escape, this outlet, this, this passion project. And I I think it um, is really cool.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It, so the, the insurance world, it, it went into from, okay. So I had the the second event with uh, LeBron James and so, essentially, they're coming to town to play. Um, he, the when he joined Sprint the Sprint Center, right? Yeah, when he joined up, the yeah. Miami Heat, I'm sitting there watching it, just like everybody else. Um, and I know Dwayne Wade had played at the Sprint Center, and there was a group that had a party with Dwayne Wade the year prior. So, then I'm sitting there in my living room and watching a decision. So, LeBron is making taking a decision. His talents. Yep, <laughs> taking his talents to South Beach. As soon as he said that, I said, oh, oh. LeBron's going to Miami Miami plays here I I have to do something with LeBron I start thinking of who I know who do I know I found myself on a phone call with Rich Paul someone I'm still connected to to this day we put together a deal I scrounged up twenty thousand dollars through my my friend Kyron and his family (laughs) my family and our own money and I had an event with LeBron James that's amazing and so I come back from that event, and I'm selling, like, VIP tables to Chiefs players and so on and so forth. The event is at the the Midland, and the last week, it was so much stress. I'm sitting in the cubicle, and I'm trying to figure out how do I put together this insurance census and sell these VIP tables. <laughs> And I'm literally doing it from work. I'm whispering, like, oh, yeah, the table is $1,500. <laughs> <laughs> please, so, don't,
1: please don't have the mid, mid-level manager walk by me. <laughs> no, please don't. So
0: the last week of that, I said, man, there's no way. I need to. I, I got to go focus on this event. And it was too much on the line. And so, you know, I faked a situation, a FMLA situation, and I made up this story <laughs> I'm not proud of today, but I had no choice. And so I say, you know, my aunt and this and that, I just, I got to be away. And so I come back the next Monday, the event's over. It's been all in the news and so on and so forth. The top manager in the office calls me in. He slaps an article on the on the table. Mm. And he says, man, you know, Chris, we like you. I think you're a great kid and so on and so forth. Mm. Um, but you told us this thing about your aunt. And, and then we, we see this event and a lot of people here say they went to it and you know, it's right here in the Your paper. That's you right there, right? I, I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry, you know. Um, and they say, you know what? We like you enough that we're going to give you another shot. And basically, if you sneeze, you're late, we got to let you go. You got one opportunity. I had started to apply for other jobs. I had already started to mm-hmm. seek outward. You know, how do I use this insurance experience? And I applied for this um, It was called a property law specialist uh, job for Allstate months prior. The very same day, Justin, very same day that they put me on thin ice. I got an offer from Allstate to take this job that was making way more money traveling around, you know, and I was the same day. So the same day that they put me on thin ice, I gave my two weeks notice. And I entered this new world of being a catastrophe adjuster, uh, which I did for five years. Yeah,
1: dude, that I, again, <laughs> didn't know that, didn't know those details. And it's, it triggers so many other thoughts for me about now, as you set your own culture, build your team, grow your company, pour into your people to use your words. And as I do the same, it's like, man, what a short-sighted, what a what a restrictive and scarce-minded employer to say don't you dare do anything else with your life except check into the cube and (laughs) (laughs) it's like it's i I don't know if you've seen severance on apple tv but it it quite literally like it it i'm not saying that those people are bad or whatever but to 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 expect a human being to only care about that one thing that they make a living on is so short-sighted and we've dude we've struggled with that it's like how do you how do you like, do you, do you let them side hustle? Do you encourage them to side hustle? Do you want to know about it? Do you not? Do they free, can they freelance? And we're in a creative field, right? So it's like, these people are really freaking talented yeah. and they've got other opportunities. And it's, a uh, now it's like you go have two jobs and whatever. I mean, different, different conversation, but it's a, it's a, not a surprise that that happened for you. Yeah. Um, I want to get to Ruby jeans and it was born on the road. It was born from what I know of the story in that five-year stretch where you're making good money, traveling, doing cool stuff, being in cool cities, and yet uh, you're so long for something
0: different. Tell us how uh, how and when Ruby Jeans was born. Absolutely. So, you know, I went from cube life to travel <laughs> life, you know, and I'm traveling 75% of the time. And at the beginning of it, it was mm-hmm was shiny you know it was like whoa I'm building up all these points I can basically travel for free you know I've got this status you know and they're paying for it all my cell phone I don't have a car bill so and I'm I'm able to save so much money you know and really from the 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 economic um, circumstances that I that I came from it was like hitting the lottery you know Um, but about two and a half years in I got burnt out. I just got burnt out. The luster went away, you know, the, the, the coolness, the excitement, it all died. And I really just wanted to be in my own bed. Um, I had gotten introduced to juicing by way of a couple of friends of mine. And so I had all these points. And so if I wasn't at home, you know, I'm a single guy, I don't have any kids at this time. If I wasn't, if I didn't need to be on the road, I could travel wherever I wanted for free. And so this particular weekend, I go to Los Angeles to visit a couple of buddies of mine. One of them's from here, the others from St. Louis, and so I get there and I'm all, you know, bright-eyed and bushy tailed and I'm just <laughs> like, oh, I'm in Los Angeles, like what? Let's do all the things. Yeah. And I get there and I arrive, and they're like, hey man, welcome, you know, good to see you, bro, and yada yada yada. Um, man, we we got to tell you, man, we forgot to tell you we're not eating today <laughs> or tomorrow. I'm huh? like, man, what what's are wrong you, with you, bro? You? Yeah, yeah, what are you talking about? You're not eating, like ah you know, something weird, some weird LA stuff. Right. And so, you know, I ate and then the next day (laughs) they wake me up and they're like, Hey man, we, we want to explain to you why we're doing this. You know, we're doing this seven day juice cleanse and this is why we want to show you this documentary. So they sit me down they show me this documentary. It's called fat, sick and nearly dead part one. And at the beginning of it, I'm just in my mind. I'm thinking, guys are weird i want to go home i want to go eat let's go to the beach i wasn't really paying attention and then i stopped texting i stopped having those thoughts and i started Mm. paying attention to it Mm. and i it it dawned on me that they were showing me something that was profound um this guy was able to change his life you know in 60 days and to just drink juice for 60 days is i mean you got to be next to psychotic, you know, it takes a, a whole different lever of discipline um, to be able to do such a thing. And this is coming from somebody that's done a 30 day juice cleanse now at this point, it's very, very hard to do. Yeah. And so they show this guy. And at the beginning, you know, he's taking all this different medicine. He's struggling with his, his health in many different ways. By the end he had changed his trajectory completely different looking guy i mean weight is in control blood pressure he's not taking any of the medicine and this is documentary style filming so i'm looking at like wait this isn't like some you know overly edited weird thing this is just a straight up story and he changed his life in 60 days wait what and i'm just silent and instantly my grandmother comes to my mind um my grandmother when she was 61 years old um she was really suffering with type 2 diabetes And we ended up losing her uh, in a a very, very traumatic way. Um, Hmm. And it dawned on me that this guy was able to change his his path by way of what he was eating. And I said, whoa, whoa, I wish my grandma had this knowledge. And not just the the idea of this crazy 60-day juice cleanse, uh, but the idea that type 2 diabetes isn't something that you can't prevent it's based on how much you're moving your body and what you're putting in your body mm-hmm. and she never had that moment to say, oh I'm not feeling so good I need to I need to do this or I need to do that She didn't have it in her purview at all mm-hmm. and it struck something to me where I said, man, I gotta see what this is about So I came home to Kansas City I did a 10 day juice cleanse and the first were you, were you yourself
1: at, at a different, physical state than, than you're like trying out for the chiefs days?
0: Not far, not far removed. I mean, I was still in in pretty good shape. I worked out on the road, you know, um, I ate whatever I wanted, but I worked out so much and I was young enough that I had muscle memory. Um, so it didn't dawn on me that I needed to do this Mm. from a health perspective Mm. for myself. I just wanted to try it, Mm. you know? And so I started it, got through day three. It was horrible. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was like really bad, you know, like, oh God, I don't want to be this healthy, but I powered through it, mm-hmm. you know, triggered some of that 4am energy, powered through it, uh, got to day 10 and I felt so alive and so mm-hmm. clear and so refreshed mm-hmm. that I never looked back. Uh, I fell in love with the idea of not just juice cleansing, but juice in general. And you know, pouring fresh nutrients into my body. And I start going to juice bars across the country, traveling for work, everywhere, just as a consumer, fell in love with it. I would get on Yelp and I would look up the best juice bar, where's Whole Foods and so on and so forth, just as a consumer. And so I'll come back to the travel. Hmm. Two and a half years in, about three or so years in, Hmm. I found myself, I had been to um, Minneapolis for a work trip. That one dried up. They sent me down to Oklahoma City. That one dried up. I went back to uh, Kansas City for a short re regather myself, and then they sent me last leg of that trip to Chicago. And so I found myself, middle of the night, Schaumburg, Illinois, and I woke up, and I couldn't remember what city I was in. Mm-hmm. I literally had to jog my mind and say, oh, Chicago. And it's like a, a lightning bolt hit me square in the middle yeah, the of Marriott's my head. The Marriott's all look the same. They are, it, I, yeah. Where am I at? Chicago and it was like a oh this isn't this isn't it there's more you know there's more I started to feel like I was right back in that cubicle uh, and so my, my heart started yearning for more and I started asking myself well what Chris what are, you, what are you passionate about you know this dream of the chiefs it didn't pan out you know Scott Pioli told you directly <laughs> let that one go you know what else is there so I'm looking looking at my tattoos I'm like man Grandma, I miss my grandma. Grandma, I got this little traveling juicer blender contraption. Well, I love <laughs> juice and health. I started to encourage my family to eat differently and, and helped a couple of people lose weight. And it's like, hmm. hmm, health, juice, grandma, wait a minute, health, juice, mm. grandma. I've been to all these juice bars, just getting menus and taking pictures just because I loved it and infants emphasis and in entrepreneurship missouri it, state it's it, yeah. Yeah. it's like god just yeah. slapped me upside my head and was like yeah. dude started you support honoring your grandmother mm. and i in that moment it was so clear to me why i existed so clear like as clear as clear can be i couldn't shake it i'm pacing the room by myself i started like Ideating right there in that moment. The first name I came up with was horrible. I didn't know it was horrible, but telling my friends and family, I found out it was horrible. Um, you know, it was this, I thought it was super catchy. It was gonna be called smooth and juicy. (laughs) But see, you like you're laughing, and I was so serious at that time. I was like, Oh, it's catchy, it's got smoothies and juice in it. Like perfect. Yeah. I told my friends, they did exactly what you did. They laughed, and I was defeated. I said, Oh, but I was serious. Told my dad about it, you know, now an entrepreneur, profound entrepreneur in his own right. He told me it was going to fail. Told my mom about it, devout Christian woman, believes in me more than anybody, I think, on the planet. She said, you know, baby, I believe in you, um, and I trust that you'll make the right decisions, but let's pray about this. And that's, you know, coming from somebody that worked two, three jobs, a hotel maid, a a clerk, a cashier for 7-Eleven, um, seeing me make over six figures, she was worried for me. Like, you you can't give this up. I quit my job anyway. Dang. I quit. I quit. I put everything I had into it. I hit every wall you can imagine. I got every no you could imagine.
1: What um, year is this, roughly? Time stamp us a little bit.
0: So we started our first location. We opened July 25th of 2015. 2015. This okay. is around... Okay. Um, this is between 2013, Kay. 2014, Kay. Uh, where I jumped off the, I jumped out of the, the safety net. Mm. You know, I, I started to look for a location. I got ton of no's. No, we, you don't have any experience. No, you don't have enough money. No, this one needs too much work, and I got, I got defeated. You know, I, I went into a, a very still place. Um, I like to say I shut up. You know, I stopped telling people. I stopped projecting outwardly. And that is when it started to take shape. Mm. Um, I found the the location, a little tiny 700-square-foot lobby of this boutique boutique gym in Westport. Um, I put everything I had into it. Uh, The name came to me, you know, Smooth and Juicy. That that (laughs) went away. And I started to think, like, well, why are you passionate about this? What do you – what's the reason? Ah, Grandma. Mm. Oh, Ruby Jeans. Ruby Jeans Juicery. Another one of those spark moments. And I – I went from there and I put everything I had into it. I didn't have any hold back. I charged up my credit cards, ruined my credit, you know, borrowed from friends, shook out the the couches and <laughs> the, pulled the lint out of my pockets. I put everything I had into this tiny 700 square foot uh, space in Westport. Uh, and from that day to this day, we've grown. We've struggled. I've cried. I've bled. I've given everything I could possibly muster uh, to this dream.
1: Mm. Good night, dude. What a what a gift. And if I know most have seen the brand. Um, and if you haven't, just Google Ruby Jeans Juicery. It's this beautiful. I, I just from the moment, and I'm a right. Like we're quite literally in the marketing business. So for us to like, when we see stuff, we're like, oh yeah, that's gorgeous. That's it. That's that's a story. The the look a brand is much more than a logo a brand is a living organism of who your actual company is um but the logo and the look and these like beautiful bright orange and green and I'm curious how that visual representation of your grandma took shape
0: um you know I knew I wanted to obviously I knew I wanted to channel the essence of my grandmother um you know I I, I just threw around so many logo ideas and our first logo, it didn't have her face as a focal point. Mm. Um, it was just this, you know, just this cool logo. And probably after first six months or so, you know, it's called Ruby Jean's juicery, but I, how do I lean into that more from a logo perspective? How do I simplify it? Ah, her face. <laughs> and so I, I scoured through old pictures and I found this one picture where she was smirking. And, I knew that that was the picture. Now, I I didn't use the picture as it was in reality. I went through this uh, artist and I had them, you know, erect a a gentle smile on her face. I had them channel the essence of what I felt from her as my grandmother. So he created this caricature of her um, that was beautiful and, you know, not to marginalize her and her essence, but uh, it became our Nike swoosh. You know, it became the, the quickest way to communicate to our consumer to say this is this is who we are and this is why we are. Mm-hmm. Now, you'll see this face, and we'll tell you more after, but yeah. but that's it. And I got advice as to, hey, you know, you love your grandmother, but everybody's not going to. Like, you know, it's that's a slippery slope, and she's a black woman, you know, so be careful with that. And I didn't listen. I'm, gra- I'm <laughs> grateful I'm I, didn't, did I didn't it. listen. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I I had an interview today, and I – Ultimately what I want to do, every single product we distribute, every single location, I want to channel the essence of my grandmother. I don't want health to be this thing that's so it's so exclusive and you know, so bougie and so fake when it's something that's so real, it's so tangible, it's so needed. It's something that she didn't have, you know. And so I have this this image of my grandmother, you know, smiling at you. And really I'm channeling what I wish she knew through that smile. I'm channeling what the hugs that I missed with her through that smile. I'm, I'm channeling, you know, what other people need to know, Damn. you know, from a place that, that they wouldn't necessarily get it because we, we live in this day and age where health is just a, it's just a marketing ploy. Oh, healthy on the packaging. Oh, it's organic and gluten-free. And 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 boom, 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 boom. All this sensationalism around it. But there's such a, a tangible baseline and through line that, that defies barriers. It defies boundaries. It defies race and sex and, you know, financial status and political status. It defies all of that. It's something that we all need. And I don't feel like it's ever been distributed from a place that's sincere, you know, and I'm sure there has been, but I don't think this there's ever been a brand, a purpose so strong, so profound, so loud, so audacious, so confident, but so genuine that it could reach people that just would not know otherwise that it will go in spaces that it's never been in. You know, go in places that it's never been in. That's what that's what we always hope to be. A sl- side little sliver on your LinkedIn profile says motivational
1: speaker. Everybody listening to this right now is like, hell yeah, <laughs> hell yeah, yes, he <laughs> um, dude, that'll preach and it's beautiful. When you walk under Ruby's beautiful face into the lobby of your the the sh- the the big shop. Yeah. Well, 40th and Truth. 30th 30th, Troost. 30th and Troost sorry yeah. missed it by 10 blocks it's close <laughs> um it is a gorgeous space on that back wall says health is freedom what does that mean and why is that important um
0: you know it's when I'm my healthiest version you know when I've been eating right you know and balanced in my diet and you know, getting exercise, I feel alive. You know, my mind is free to think. Uh, my body doesn't feel hampered. My energy is high. You know, I'm alert. Um, the the energy that I put out into the world is pure. You know, it's not, uh, it's not, it's not heavy. It's not low. Um, it's bright. And so, people that never get to experience that, they live in existence that's stifled. Um, you know, lack of health leads to anxiety and depression. And then that depression and anxiety, it materializes in in very dark and ugly ways. And so um, conversely, it's the more healthy people, the more people that are going to be positive. You know, health is freedom. Health is something that if you tap into it, you get to find your purest form, um, no matter who you are. And it's my wish that that freedom be extended to people that, don't wear Lululemon or don't drive Teslas or don't have access or don't live in these affluent zip codes that the freedom that health provides, it gets to be extended to kids that, that, that don't have access, that don't have awareness. It gets to be extended to people that are just like my grandmother, right? Longevity is, is freedom. Mm. My grandmother, her life was cut short short. at 61 years old because of, of a lack of health, a lack of health. And I believe that she's, you know, with our good Lord, and she is free as free can be. But I know that there's a possibility has she, you know, been inclined a little bit more towards a healthier lifestyle that maybe she meets my son, you know, maybe she gets to see me accomplish that feat mm-hmm. of getting a scholarship or graduating or see one football game. Um, maybe she, you know, she gets to see who who we became, the family tree that that she manifested that's freedom to me. And nobody is is sharing that, that very practical news. And so I want people to be reminded that it's you, it's you, the healthier you are, the more free you are, period.
1: Dude, you, uh, you have such a deep and, and meaningful presence, man. And I could ask you, literally a million questions. <laughs> I know you have a family to raise and a, a wife to see and, and a business to run. So I want to explore one last thought here with you. And then we're gonna have to do this again, because I'm just like, uh, I, I'm just like, I'm slapping you. I'm like, like you're you're uh, slobbering and slapping. I'm like, what the heck? Come on, man. Please say more. Um, you're, you do like wild, cool stuff, right? Like your stuff sold at Whole Foods. You've got like all sorts of amazing things going for you and and yet you you're the 30th and truce location sits on this really like physical dividing line of of this city you and I both love and, and you and I both grew up on different sides of that line right like I grew up on this north uh north land suburban primarily white um pocket of the city and, and you grew up as you already said on the eastern side and 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 I can't imagine that your 30th and truce location was accidental. <laughs> and, and, and specifically what, what I'd love to hear you talk about is, man, you invest like crazy into the youth and the school district and to, to, to evangelize this health is freedom message to children that um, don't typically have abundant access to things that are alive from a food standpoint and a nutrition standpoint. And I can see you like <laughs> ready to go.
0: So I'll shut up. I want to hear why all that is meaningful to you. Um you know, and I what you what you see is like, you know, you I you get so used to just just going and doing and surviving and, you know, moving to the next thing and, you know, making payroll once again and you get so ingrained in that that, you know, it's not until get asked about it that you really have to ponder it and Mm -hmm. so as I ponder it man it just is you know so humbling because I am a a a guy that as a low-income kid attended a place called St. Vincent's that place now today is known as Operation Breakthrough um I have the great fortune of being the first kid to ever attend as a low-income kid to now sit on the the board of directors Mm -hmm. um which also sits on Troost Avenue. Just a this, couple blocks up, yeah. This dividing line. Um, and so, ironically, the Truce location, from my standpoint, it was by accident, um, to be honest with you. But I don't believe so from God's perspective. Um, to go almost nearly across the street as a low income kid to this place and walk into this building that, you know, for us, we knew it as the day old bakery store, um, to, to frequent a bus stop that now we got the ability to adopt as the first ever bus stop adopted in Kansas city's history Mm -hmm. and create a new precedent, a new program for that um, to now own the first ever healthy business on the East side of Kansas city in the history of this city um, to now be actively working to topple that dividing line, that barrier, that, that, that red line, uh, that segregation line, that 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 mm. sought to keep you and I divided, right? That sought to prevent this, this thing, this dialogue between a black man and a white man. This mm. this progress that sought to prevent it, um, to be a part of toppling that and actively working to rename Truist Avenue, Truth Avenue, to be able mm. to exist on what was once plantation ground where forty slaves tended to fruit trees and they pulled down pears and apples and peaches, right? And they were wept and they were sped on, right? In this place that was um, completely undignified to now sell fresh juice from that land, to own that land, to own it in a way that doesn't boast its ownership but pours into it and continues to sow into it. Um, It's something that I could die today and know that I've done good, that God is proud. And for me, kids are the focal point because they are the people that need to get this message they are the people that need to see more than sports more than entertainment that we are capable. It's the message that I tell my son every single morning, man you can do it I believe in you and to be able to show that um it just is it's humbling man I'm grateful so
1: I am too man i'm uh I'm grateful for the work you're doing, and it's um uh forgive me the Uh, it's powerful, dude, and, and in, because I know there are dark days, and there are days when it's like, oh, damn, it's 4 a.m. again, Uh, I don't get up at 4 for the record, (laughs) Um, but uh, keep going, bro, and you got, you've got a gift, you've got the spirit behind you and you've got a community behind you who is, who will do anything to remind you that you've got it too, and that you have what it takes to, um, to keep bringing truth and to keep setting people free. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm deeply humbled and grateful that you'd share this story with us, man. Thank you, man.
0: Thank you for having me. Man.
1: Uh, we gotta, we gotta wrap it cause you got, you got truth to bring. Um, but we're going to fly through these final five so you can get back at it. Uh, favorite t-shirt which seems so <laughs> stupid now. We're both like <laughs> slobbering and wiping tears, uh looking for the Kleenex, but um favorite t-shirt.
0: Um my favorite t-shirt um I should say like a Ruby jeans t-shirt, <laughs> yeah. but honestly um <laughs> There's this brand, um, hopefully, they don't have some weird roots or anything, but it's a (laughs) European brand. It's called Scotch and Soda. Uh, And I just love it. It's just uh, casual and fly and chill, (laughs) but elevated. Um, And I got this green Scotch and Soda t shirt. It's just, I I could wash it a million times, and I hope I never get rid of it. It's just so comfortable and so fly. Um, So, a Scotch and Soda t shirt. You were the definition of casual, fly, <laughs>
1: elevated, and
0: sophisticated, or whatever else you said that I can't repeat because you're too good.
1: Uh, what would you do right now if you weren't afraid?
0: Um, man, you know the I get the I get the God-given privilege of not being afraid. I'm doing it.
1: Amen. Good. That's a good answer. Um,
0: what's your favorite place on earth? <clears throat> you know, I was fortunate enough um this past june to and i've owned um a couple of homes before at this point but i finally have you know my home you know my wife and i my son we we bought our our first true home um and there's a little spot i gotta have you over come to, on. to, to witness in person but it's a it's a space that we call the tree house um but it's a it's a place that my wife and I, you know, people that are, are near and dear to my heart. We don't have shoes in our house, but it's just this very uh, sacred space where I decompress, I pray, I meditate. It's surround. It's a. It kind of is like my my brain has spilled out there. It's got everything from the Emmy we won in it to a proclamation to my dad's tape measure that he had for you know he's still with us, but he it it finally gave up on him after like thirty years of using it. So it's got all these mementos and family heirlooms, you know, my grandpa's old jacket, pictures of my grandmother, mm. uh, my sneakers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the important stuff. But, yeah, the treehouse, that's my, it's my favorite spot on this planet. I love it. It's a great answer. Uh, what does human first mean to you? Um, to me, human first is, uh, you know, keep it real. Um, and then keeping it real, you know, make sure people are, are at the – The forefront of everything that you touch Uh, for me, that's, you know, my team, the people that allow me to be here and share my heart and project outward and cast a bigger net. Those people are first for me. Treat them well. Be genuine to them. Be earnest to them. The customers that come in day out, give them our heart, you know, give them our best. And if we don't make sure we live up to it. Um, never get too high in the in the clouds, and oh, we get to be on this CNN story. Oh, we're on this National Geographic piece, or oh, we got an Emmy. Never get so elevated in that that pathway that you forget why you're doing it. Keep the Ruby Jeans out there at the forefront of your mind.
1: When when uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm still trying to like get composed over here, bro. Um, <laughs> when when you walked into the store the day we were there, uh, we we got there a little bit early to get some stuff set up. And like we're chugging our green juice, doing the thing you walked in, you can tell the Mark, you can tell a good leader or a, a man or woman with influence when they raise the spirits of people, when they enter the room and you do that, your team was delighted to see you. They were like, Oh, for it, the boss is here. Like we got to <laughs> shape up. Right. It was like, no, no, no. We get to like rise up. We get to like elevate and come alive because his presence brings great joy. Um, when it's all said and done man what do you want to be remembered for Mm. you've already said so much good i you know
0: (laughs) i'm uh you know uh my foundation is in christ um even as i know you know religion is um become such an obscure thing um no, I'm not one of those people that say, "Oh, you're an atheist. Stay away from me. or You're Muslim. You know, I want I want you to be in my presence. I want you to feel my light, um, without me, you know, t- having to talk about what my faith is." And so, when it's all said and done, you know, I want to see Ruby Jean again. You know, I wanna I want to feel her embrace. I want her to tell me she's proud. You know, I want God to be proud of my my time spent. You know, I want Him to to give me. Give me my true rest from all of this labor. Um, I want people to say, you know, had it not been for that guy, I I don't know. Mm. You know, I just want to make sure that my time, you know, it, it meant something mm. to somebody. It does, dude. <laughs> it
1: does. Keep it up. I'm proud of you. I'm thankful that you would uh you would share this space with me, period. And for others to hear this story. It's just like,
0: whew, come on. <laughs> thank, thank you so much, man. Keep Sincerely. it up, man.
1: Keep up the good work. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs>